Percy, what do you believe about trusting your heart and following your instincts? Wayne, it's interesting to me. In this age of information overload, you know, everyone, (laughs) everywhere, uh, all the time is literally trying to tell us what to think, feel, and believe, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. And and so, you know, and and how... uh, how this may be crippling many from listening and trusting in the still small voice within them. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, we should have a conversation about this today regarding our health care. Yes, we're going to hear from a young woman who heard external information that did not line up with her internal instincts, and she refused to ignore her still small voice. The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome, everyone, to Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Reverend Percy McRae. Percy is National Director of Specialized Outreach at City of Hope, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. We've titled this program, Percy, It Didn't Just Seem to Be the Right Answer. And that'll become obvious mm-hmm. as we go along here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will. You know, and as we go through this, how many times have we ignored, you know, things that we felt? Some people call it a gut instinct, intuition. For those that are believers of from a Christian orientation, you know, the, the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, whatever verbiage uh, one chooses to use there, uh, it's interesting that, you know, in many cases, we, we ignore sometimes that which we need to be listening to within ourselves. Yeah. So we'll meet our guest here in just a few moments as you continue to listen to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And again, glad to have you with us today. And I hope you've subscribed to this podcast either at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, or at Apple or Spotify or whatever podcast platform you use to listen. You can subscribe and automatically receive these uh, updates as they come each week. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for reviewing the podcast as well. Percy, we often ask for feedback from our listeners, and sometimes they come up with some pretty interesting questions. Uh, This listener from Stewart, Florida, wrote to us and said, do you have any podcasts or resources for when a son, age 20, loses his father to pancreatic cancer? My grandson needs some help and guidance, and there seems to be no help for a person of his age. Please help my grandson. Well, first of all, thank you, Stuart, Florida, for uh, not far from where I am, actually, Mm -hmm. for uh, listening in. And with that, um, I don't have a podcast. We've never done a show specifically about that topic. But I did do a little research with regard to some online resources uh, that can be available to you that you can access. And there's two specifically that I'll share with you today uh, that you can go and uh, take a look at. Number one, it is loss of a parent with cancer as a young adult loss of a parent with cancer as a young adult and that can be located at cancercare.org cancercare.org and then the second online resource that i'd like to recommend to you is what happens when your parent dies of cancer what happens when your parent dies of cancer Mm. and that can be accessed and located on webmd.com that's okay. webmd.com. Very helpful. And we can put those uh, links in our program notes as well at healthhopeandinspiration.com for this podcast edition. So look for those there. And thank you for your question. Uh, we always appreciate the interaction we have with our listeners. And you can reach us through our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on connect and you'll be able to type in your question or comment 
right there, healthhopeandinspiration.com, which is also where to go to find our featured resource this week, Seven Scriptural Ways to Fight Stress. We'll talk more about that in a few moments with Percy. Mm -hmm. But Percy, before we get too far along today, let's uh, open the scriptures and get a challenge from them. Well, this is one of our greats, right? Anyone who has ever, you know, flipped a page in in any Bible, uh, this probably is one of the top 10 scriptures that you reference, you remember, and that you access on a regular basis. But it is so fitting and appropriate for today's conversation. It's Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 28, and it says this, know that all things, not some things, not a few things, not every on just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday things, (laughs) (laughs) know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. It's going to fit within the framework of the mental and emotional mindset of of the person that we're going to hear from today as she unpacks her story and her journey of cancer. And we'll roll that conversation in just a moment. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope with locations from coast to coast. Their team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals. There are graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, volunteers, and support staff all united by their desire to find cures and save lives. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. This national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. So please visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about City of Hope. Or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-4673. City of Hope uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Hey, 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 it's me, Pastor P, and I am back uh, again with another cancer conversation. You know what we do here. We're talking about cancer. That's right. That's all we talk about. But we talk about it from the perspective of those who have walked the path, those who have been down this journey, uh, those who support cancer patients, uh, so that we can continue to encourage you, the cancer community. Uh, Cancer, in most cases, is beatable, it is treatable, and it is survivable. And we want to share things with you from individuals who have done what you may be doing or just beginning to do. And today we have back with us. We've heard from this young lady before uh, in a different conversation to talk about her foundation. Uh, But today we want to hear her conversation and her story about her her cancer journey. Her name is Kimberly Earhart. She was diagnosed in February 2020 with ovarian cancer. Uh, She is the president of Hearts of Teal, H-A-R-T-S, heartsofteal.org. It is a a nonprofit foundation supporting, educating, and and encouraging women with ovarian cancer. She currently, as of the recording, uh, the time of this recording, has no evidence of disease, and she is receiving observational uh, support at City of Hope Atlanta, and so welcome back to the show today. How are you doing, Kimberly? I'm good. Thank you for having me. 
Well, I've had an opportunity to speak to you now uh, off camera, and uh, we recorded a, a, a interview with you and a dear friend of yours, Andrea Sessler, with regard to the work that you both are doing with your foundation. And if you didn't hear that show, go back and find that show and listen and learn about heartsofteal.org and how you may be able to get involved, support, donate, or maybe take it, uh, advantage of some of the um, uh, activities that they have that are listed on their site. Uh, but today I want to talk about your cancer journey, and, and let's go back to the beginning. Of course, you have no evidence of disease today. You look wonderful. Uh, you're a mom of five, so I'm sure you're ex- super busy and, and engaged <laughs> in every way. But let's go back to the day when you were first told that you, you heard the words, you have cancer. Where were you, and how did you feel when you heard those words said to you? Um, I lived in Mississippi at the time. And um, like you said, I had have five kids. My youngest was two and a half. Mm. And um, I had been having a lot of different symptoms like bloatingness and tender and tenderness in my abdomen and different things like that. And I had gone to see my gynecologist and she just didn't see anything. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. And this was just a second opinion um, to get a CT scan to rule out um, my gallbladder or my appendix. Okay. Um, Really not expecting much to come from that. And unfortunately, they told me that I was going to need to go visit the doctor's office so he could go over the results with me. And um, while I waited for my scan results above the door frame in the doctor's office, it said, do not let your hearts be troubled. John 14 one. And I just kept reading that over and over and over again, because I knew whatever they were about to tell me wasn't good news. Okay. Um, so when they came in, I felt, I felt numb. Um, I literally felt this heat feeling come down over me all the way, starting at my head and down through my shoulders, uh, just like pain, painful, um, anxiety crippling anxiety, just fear, um, not wanting to die, being afraid of living, leaving my kids. Um, I had a lot of emotions going on in my head in that moment. It was very, very hard. Um, my husband was with me. Okay. I turned over and looked at him and he closed his eyes and I knew like, I'll never forget that look in his face. And it just really, really scared both of us um, a lot as to what we were about to, you know, go through. Um, but they said, you have, you have ovarian cancer and the doctor was a primary care physician. So he said, I'm not sure if I'm telling you this right, but he just proceeds to tell me everywhere that it has spread. And, you know, it was just terrifying to me at that time. Got it. So you get that news. And, and again, you know, anybody who has ever had to hear those words have, have had to process hearing that. And again, uh, one cancer uh, patient that I supported who wrote a book said it this way. She said, cancer is the only word that when someone says you has it, you have it, you hear it in big, bold letters in your head and you don't hear anything else after that. It just kind of you it just kind of you just go blank for a second. And so uh, with that being said, you have to process through that. You have to have some time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody processes hearing that differently. Everybody processes that uh, on a different cadence. Some people quickly kind of react and respond. Some people need time uh, of uh, days, a week or so to kind of, you know, get their head wrapped around what was just said to them. 
you 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 do that in your own way in your own time um you you have and you mentioned earlier and I, I'm glad that you said it about uh, getting a second opinion because I think it's important to talk about the value and and we certainly live in a day and age where we want to encourage people you know don't necessarily take the first set of information that is set before you get a second or a third opinion if you think you need to do so. Uh, and again, as it's no disrespect to your doctor, but it's just making sure that you have clarity of what of what is being said to you and that you feel, you know, you have a sense of, OK, I think I have uh, the best set of information I can have. What would you say to anyone about getting a second opinion? I think you have to trust your gut that there's something wrong with you. I mean, you know your body better than anyone else. Right. So for me. When I went to see my gynecologist, she did an ultrasound and she said that I had cysts on both sides. Um, she wasn't alarmed, just was going to do a hysterectomy because I was symptomatic from mm -hmm. having five kids. Okay. Um, I was only 41, so nobody was thinking cancer, right. you know? Right. And, and so I have had ovarian cancer, I've had ovarian cysts my whole life, so it just didn't seem to be the right answer because it felt different. And I think you just have to trust your gut and go with that. And not let people explain it away because even the primary care doctor that I went to said I had acid reflux first before mm. he was really, really willing to do any more testing. And I was diagnosed at almost stage four. So I wouldn't even be here, you know, if I hadn't pushed for that um, CT scan. So I just think it's important for women to know what their options are, even if, you know, I, even if I wasn't worried about ovarian cancer, it would be good for me to have known the signs and symptoms and what tests I was able yeah. to get yeah. so that I could have even asked. Yeah. And I just didn't know no, anything. I, yeah, I, I, and, I, and again, I'm glad that you make the point because we want to empower all cancer patients. Uh, I've, I've said it. I've taught it. Uh, of radio, TV interviews, churches, seminars, you know, you be your own advocate. You know, you drive your bus. Do not allow anyone to drive your bus for you. And again, you know, if you feel that there's still something not quite right, you're not you're not able to kind of align with the, you know, the first set of things that are said to you, you know, go get a second opinion, go get a third opinion, because at the end of the day, uh, as I often tell people, you have one life to live, you know, as the world turns and we're trying to help you to, you know, stay out of general hospital. So, you know, with that being said, you know, mm -hmm. do the work that you need to do to protect yourself and to and to be informed accordingly. Thank you for that, uh, being an advocate for that. So you 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 get through you know your second opinion your diagnosis you get clarity on what it is that you're needing to do what you're dealing with, uh, you now have mm -hmm. to start treatment you have to start some type of medical protocol. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how uh, how did you manage uh, the the menagerie of medical language terminology how did how did you how did you work through all of that to kind of come to a place. Of, of deciding what type of medical treatment you 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 made you know you said that you would agree to do for yourself things were moving rather quickly for me and I had some very good friends in the medical community that actually came over to my house and they made some phone calls to their church and got me in to see an oncologist that they recommended the next day I didn't have time to do a lot of research I was going to get a second opinion, but due to COVID, they canceled my appointment and told me they weren't um, allowing for second opinions right now. So I really just had to trust my gut on who I was already seeing at that moment in time. 
And my brother actually sent me an article about HIPEC, which is, it's a crazy surgery that Andrea and I both had. And that was like a really aggressive approach to the standard of care for ovarian cancer. But being that I was only 41 and had these little kids, I wanted as aggressive as possible. So we decided to move back to Atlanta where I'm from, have HIPEC just to see, you know, what the options were. And so that's what I did. And it all just happened so quickly. I just had to trust God that I was making the right choice. Okay. So you get through your, you know, you make a decision about medical treatment. And I ask this question often because this becomes the area and the the point and the lines of demarcation where many cancer patients just simply uh, psychologically and emotionally become overwhelmed because it's just mm-hmm. so much to try to, and as you said, and, and things co- are coming at you pretty quickly also in terms of having to come right. to terms with making decisions about clinical care. And, and I'll say this, for some people, uh, some people tend to just jettison this whole process because they just are so overwhelmed. They make no decision. And so uh, I think it's important, and I appreciate you sharing, that, you know, you have to kind of you have to tackle and, and, and kind of weed through, uh, you know, coming to terms with what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And, and so you were able to do so. You start your medical care and treatment. You get through that process. And again, as of today, because spoiler alert, we already said, you know, you are as of today, you have no evidence of disease. So apparently something happened, something worked and and, and things went well for you. What were some of the psychological or emotional challenges that you may have had? You had five children. So you were thinking about, you know, your kids and they were small. You were young. Um what were some of the things that you, you know, you may have had some struggle with that you had to kind of really uh, dig deep, either with your faith or with uh, uh, your support team? What were some things that you had to work through? Um, I'm I'm younger than most women that get ovarian cancer, and a lot of the ladies that we work with um, with Hearts of Teal are older than I am, and they all have grandkids already. And I struggled to find my place in that group because I had little children still that I was fearful of leaving behind. Um, So it puts an extra layer of fear in there for me. And I just want to, I want to see my own kids grow up and I'm really, really happy to see my grandkids. So that's something that I really do struggle with when I got diagnosed. I knew that God was doing something and I had been praying for him to be more present in my life because I felt like with the, you know, ins and outs of having five kids and running around, I felt far away from God and I couldn't really find the right church or find the right place to get back, you know, good with him again. And when I got diagnosed, I feel like that relationship just came flying back and it was not the way I would have pictured it, but I just have to really trust every day to choose joy and to choose that he is doing something, even if I don't know what that is. And I know he'll bring good from it. Well, what's interesting about that, and it's a, it's an amazing, it's a difficult, a theological kind of biblical construct that good things can come out of bad scenarios. There's a great book that was written by a Jewish rabbi uh, by the name of Dr. Uh, Harold Kushner that uh, basically is titled, Bad Things uh, Happen to Good People. But, but on the flip side of that, Good things can come out of bad scenarios, and that's exactly what you just, you know, kind of articulated. And I appreciate because I think that there's someone who needs to hear that today, that despite the challenge of being a cancer patient, and then to your point, 
Uh, I think a lot of people think about cancer as being an older person's disease, and we're seeing more younger people actually being diagnosed with cancer uh, also for various different reasons, that there was then still something that came out of that, your, your, your renewed relationship with God, which is huge. But then the other dynamic of that, and we've talked about it and we've kind of mentioned it in passing, is the Hearts of Teal organization that, that, that got started as, and birthed out of this. You know, what does that mean to you today to be able to say, despite all that I went through and all that I experienced, I, I was able to, by the grace of God, to give birth to an extension of being able to help women like myself, who I didn't have access to that, to that type of uh, organization when you went through it, but now you can facilitate that for others. Right. I think it, it's a great feeling and it, it keeps me going. It, it got me back, you know, after treatment, I felt like I was doing something to help other women. It was in turn helping me. And it was just, right. you know, it just, it, it helps keep me, keeps driving me to keep going on. And I'm just really thankful for that opportunity. And I, I just keep, I love that Torn Wells song that says like, if it's not good, then he's not done. Like, I think that is mm. such a profound statement. And I just, know that it says in Romans 8 28 that he's going to bring good um, <laughs> to those who believe and so I I think of hearts of teal as one of those things and I know that even no, no matter how hard it is and, and the women that we lose and the women the hard things that we have to go through with each other I know it's still what I'm supposed to be doing I, I just love talking to people of purpose because uh, many in many cases what I've learned you know I'm, I'm not a young buck anymore a lot of our godly purposes are produced and birthed out of our pains, uh, right. out of our suffering, out of out of our struggle. And and it just means it just means so much because, you know, that wasn't something that we're taking for granted. Obviously, what you do, you have a passion and a heart for. And I just want to tell you, thank you, my dear, for for following that prompting and that leading. And thank you for deciding to stay on the planet. And fighting and, and sticking around. I know you stayed for your kids and I know you stayed for your husband, but you also stuck around for a lot of women that you're helping and even somebody that's listening today. And I just want to say I salute you. I, I appreciate the work that you do so much. And so on that note, um, and this may be the answer, I don't know, as we close, as we run out of time here is today, as we speak at this recording what continues to keep you hopeful? What continues to drive your hope today? Believing that God is who he says he is and that he has a plan, um, even if I don't understand. And one day I'll understand what all of this pain was for. And I just keep resting in that every day um, and just keep pouring into that as much as I can. Today, you have heard from the one, the only, the incomparable, my new friend. Anybody that comes on Health, Hope, and Inspiration is now my friend and my family member. And I am pleased uh, to, to have met the acquaintance of Kimberly Earhart. She is the president of, again, uh, Hearts of Teal, H-A-R-T-S, Hearts of Teal. Please go to her website along with uh, her compadre, Andrea Sisler, who we have heard from as well on a separate interview. And if you uh, want to get connected with this, or this non-for-profit organization, 
Uh, you can go to their website. They have events. They have opportunities where you can donate, contact, get involved, share your story. At the end of the day, if nothing else, uh, share your story. You may have a story to share that will bless and help someone as they continue to reach out to this community of of women, of believers. Uh, we're grateful today for the work that they do. I want to say thank you so much, Kimberly. I appreciate you taking time to be on uh, Health, Hope, and Inspiration, and may the Lord continue to use you mightily. And uh, I stand in agreement that the best is still yet to come for you, your family, and for the organization that you lead up. Thank you. Well, we learned some things there, didn't we? We'll talk with Percy about them in just a moment as you continue to listen to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. If you've ever wanted to find answers to your cancer-related questions with City of Hope for Alexa, now you can. The Cancer Center for Alexa skill is a voice-activated question-and-answer tool empowering users to ask Alexa questions they may have about cancer or services available at City of Hope. The skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access it, you or anyone you support can simply say, Alexa, enable Cancer Center to any Amazon device. And you can also access this tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app. Well, Percy, thank you for uh, bringing Kimberly back to us here today. She was with us previously, and you met her through Andrea Sisler, who's also been with us in the past and will be with us again in the future. Yeah, remember when we spoke to them, we spoke to them together, and we, we I thought that it would make sense to talk to them together to talk about the foundation that they started, Hearts of Teal, mm-hmm. which is a non-for-profit organization uh, to support uh, women with ovarian cancer, and their motivation for that was that they, they felt like that they didn't see enough support, public support for people or for women with uh, ovarian cancer. So they thought that they would start their own yeah, foundation. Such a great idea. Yeah, it is. It really is. So that's how, yeah, that's how I was introduced to her. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you've spent some time with them now. Um, let's talk about what Kimberly shared today. Those uh, those instincts of her kicked in, huh? Yeah, it was interesting. And, you know, we've had conversations with individuals before, and I think that this is a recurring theme and it's worthy to be repeated, that uh, just because you sit in front of a medical professional and they tell you X, Y, and Z, Ultimately, you still need to have some sense of connectivity with what is being said. And I don't want to suggest, nor do I want to sound like I'm disparaging the healthcare community no. or medical doctors no. at all, because right. uh, I have a high regard and respect yep. uh, for for every healthcare professional. But there also ha- can become times where there's just something within you that you don't feel comfortable with what you are being told or what's being said to you. And that was certainly the case uh, for uh, uh, Kimberly. And one of the things that she did state that I thought was very, very interesting, she said that she did not believe that she would be here today if she had not pushed for a CT scan, because initially, you know, she was told that, you know, well, you just have cysts and, you know, that's just kind of part of the deal of, you know, having five kids or whatever. And then another primary care doctor said that she just thought that, you know, she was just suffering from acid reflux. And so uh, I didn't think that there more testing was necessary. But but within herself, you know, Kim said there's something else going on here. And I just think I need to push forward uh, to insist on some additional diagnostic work done and and asked and persisted with having a CT scan. And lo and behold, she was yeah. diagnosed with cancer. Which presses home the fact that it is a partnership, isn't it? Uh, it is our body and we have a responsibility, of course, but it is a partnership with medical professionals. It is. And and I think that that's the, the best way to really describe it. Uh, in order to really have confidence, Wayne, and I've been in that situation with whatever is being prescribed to you, 
uh, there needs to be a sense of confidence of a partnership that you're you you and that person or your healthcare team are in orchestration one with another. Uh, I have certainly met patients over the years. It's been a really long time who felt like that they didn't have the ability to be a partner in their own health care. And you're right. It's our body or your body, as I often say. Uh, we have one life to live, you know, and while you're young and restless as the world turns, you know, we're trying to help to keep you out of general hospital. So, you know, uh, but but part of everything that was said in that affirmation is that you are at the center of your care and ultimately should be part of the decisions that are made. And if you don't feel confident in what is being said to you or in a partnership, you may need to consider doing something else or seeking a second or third opinion. And that we have you know, we have talked about that a lot, making sure that people feel confident and empowered to do so. Yeah. Uh, Kimberly mentioned that she was on the younger side of most women who go through ovarian cancer, and she kind of she kind of struggled to find her place with uh, other women. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. So, again, based upon what she stated, and I, I don't have any data sitting in front of me, uh, again, according to her, you know, typically ovarian cancer tends to happen to older women later on down the line. And she had, you know, young children and she she was definitely concerned about uh, she felt fearful about leaving her family behind. And that then she said she had to kick into a place of really where her faith helped to dominate, you know, uh, all that was going on with her, where every day she said she simply had to choose joy and choose to believe that God is doing something, even if she didn't know what that was. So Mm -hmm. in feeling uncomfortable and not really knowing where her place was with older women, you know, then she began to rethink some things with regard to this is how I'm going to focus on this. This is how I'm going to apply, again, my medical treatment and my medical care. But I'm also believing that 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 God has a plan here and there's something that's going to come out of this, even though I'm not really sure what that is. And I thought that that was very yeah. important. And of course, you have small children and to go through something like this, that's especially tough. Well, I, I you know, absolutely. Um, you know, any any mom at the end of the day and, and dad, too, I've, I've certainly talked to men and fathers who have also expressed the fact that when they were diagnosed with cancer, their immediate thought went to their family, their wife and their children. But as a mom, I'm sure the overwhelming emotion that that you know begins to wash over you is what's going to happen to my children yeah. and and how are they going to be cared for and et cetera, et cetera. So she definitely unpacked and discussed that and shared that. And, you know, she was able to work through and push through to the place today where she has no evidence of disease and mm-hmm. we're grateful for that thank yeah. god oh, yeah. and it, and is doing amazing things now on behalf of other women who have ovarian cancer well perhaps the most important thing she shared was just the fact of uh, you know trusting god choosing joy and uh, keeping her head held high yep and and i would say that though that may sound simple or someone may be listening like well that is that all that she did well in addition to <laughs> right yeah uh, you know a number of things i'm not saying it was she, easy to do but that, she that's chose that's exactly joy. correct yeah, yeah that's exactly right so it first started to your point and i think uh well articulated is that there was a conscious decision and a choice you know the uh, the word of god tells us that we have to first choose life or death you know uh make a decision and say this is how i'm going to start entering into this process what happens along the way may certainly there may be a detour a bump uh, in the road but again this is where she chose to start she made a decision and began to proceed from there and and certainly for her along with good medical clinical care, 
uh, that served her well as she continued to work and walk through the challenges because she certainly expressed the difficulty of, you know, being told that you have cancer. And yeah. again, yeah. A, 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 a mom with young children, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, she's doing amazingly mm-hmm. well. And I'm just so excited about the work that she's engaged in and, and the reach of her work at Absolutely. this point. Absolutely. Kimberly, if you're listening, thank you so much. We learned so much from you here today. Yeah. Kimberly Earhart, our guest on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. As I promised earlier, let's mention the free resource that we're featuring this week, The Seven Scriptural Ways to Fight Stress. Uh, you put these together for our benefit, Percy, and I encourage our listeners to take advantage of this. Absolutely. So again, well, you know, there's data and research again to suggest that stress can indirectly potentially impact uh, one's cancer journey. And well, we know stress can impact almost anything with right. us from a healthcare perspective. Yes. And so it would only make sense that that would be true also when one has engaged in the battle and the fight of cancer. And so, you know, stress does create some some dynamics, you know, in terms of uh, what can happen to us biologically. And so this uh, resource was written to be an additional supportive help to uh, ways that people can begin to try to counteract stress in our lives so that we can uh, potentially neutralize and minimize the stress so that it is not dominating and overtaking us in a way that, you know, though we may be engaged in good clinical medical care, our stress is is possibly being counteracting all of the things that are taking place with us from a medical perspective. So, you know, prayer, meditation, you know, uh, listening to, uh, you know, your favorite uh, religious or gospel music, uh, Mm -hmm. if you will, Uh, you know, reading certain scriptures at the end of the day that will kind of help soothe and create a space and an environment for one to kind of just relax a little bit. So seven scriptural ways to fight stress that will hopefully empower and enable one in addition to anything else that you may be doing to neutralize the impact of stress. Hopefully that will allow you to be free uh, to move forward with treatment and care and optimize the opportunity and the potentiality uh, uh, to, to, to walk in wellness and wholeness as you're fighting the good fight of faith with cancer. It's a terrific resource. It really is. And it's available to you right now, free of charge at the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Seven scriptural ways to fight stress. Speaking of scripture, you shared some with us earlier that we're going to come back to now. Absolutely. And so with that, uh, and, and Kim made a very interesting statement that she felt like that uh, her her purpose came out of her pain. Yeah. Uh, and that's really where this scripture jumped out at me when I heard that, because as a result of her process, as a result of everything that we've already unpacked with regard to her journey, uh, she went through some painful dynamics. And out of that pain, there was a purpose that was produced that she started this this non-for-profit organization, Hearts of Teal. And so this scripture helps us to understand, and hopefully someone will hear this today with a fresh new set of ears, Romans 8, 28. Know that all, A-L-L, (laughs) all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. There can be purpose in the midst of negativity. There can be purpose in the midst of challenge. There can be purpose that are that is born out of uh, adverse circumstances. And and I would like to suggest that cancer can be one of those that, based upon my experience over the last three decades, close to three decades, there has been so many purposes 
that were born out of people's pain of being a cancer patient that now is impacting literally hundreds and thousands of people. So remember that all things can work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So take that into your day and hopefully that'll encourage you today. Well, thank you, Percy. God bless you. And thank you for this edition of Health, Hope and Inspiration. You have an assignment for us? I do remember while we're working through our pain and as we are working toward our purpose, that means we have work to do. So let's keep chopping the wood. Don't give up and don't give in. Remember, tomorrow potentially can be a better day. God bless you. You've been listening to Health, Hope and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff, all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.